I knew I wanted to sign up for something, but actually I did have a lot of hesitation at the beginning of the year. Like it's February and I only just signed up for it. Whereas I almost feel like I either needed time to grieve or I, I maybe I thought I'd made the wrong choice. Maybe the world was telling me not to do it because I'm surprised that it wasn't, I had this happen in November and then in December I was like, right, get me a race in January. But I didn't feel that way. Um, but that said, I went to the trails recently and I just was like, yes, have missed this. I am back on this, like, let's go for it. And yeah, so I've picked the Bryce Canyon 50K in Utah, which I've never been to Bryce Canyon, but I've heard a lot about it. And I thought, you know what, why not go for something spectacular? Uh, again, keeping that fun element, it's not about how fast, um, but just being able to appreciate that experience. Welcome back to the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. We are Jess and BJ, your hosts, and we're on a mission to create a better world. We believe the better world that we all dream of seeing lives within us right now and will be realized through our thoughts, actions, and words from this moment forward. This podcast began in 2016, just one month before leaving everything behind and hitting the road to raise awareness that living a more vibrant life is within reach for all. In the six months we lived on the road and the almost six years of engaging in conversations with guests, we have realized that there are not enough weeks on the calendar to share the stories of people pursuing similar missions in the world. And our guest today is one of those spectacular citizens. Tina Muir is a former professional runner who realized great success at the marathon and half marathon distances, but perhaps garnered even more attention when she quit running to attend to her health. Tina created Running For Real, the largest global community of runners contributing and connecting positively to the world around them. She is the host of the Running For Real podcast and more recently co-host of Running Realized, a podcast that holds a mission to explore running culture as a vehicle to realize its full potential and one that asks us all to be a part of the solution. Tina is recognized as one of the lead climate activists in the running space and in 2021 began collaborating with the United Nations on climate change initiatives. Tina is a runner, mom, and entrepreneur who plays many roles within a day and holds decades of experiential knowledge that we trust will flow naturally as the three of us connect and hold the highest intention for our communities at large. Tina, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. That was such a nice intro and nice start to this. I love it. <laughs> well, it's, you, you have, there's so much depth to what you do and, and maybe you can relate to this as a podcast host. Um, when you have that, it's almost like harder to encapsulate all of that into, you know, any kind of mm -hmm. intro because you're so much more than the roles that you play. You're so much more mm -hmm. than a runner. You're, you're so much more than what we're even going to be able to uh, discuss in this hour. But, um, you know, my intention is to honor our guests because we know your time is precious and we really appreciate you being here. So um, I'm psyched to, psyched to dive in with you. No, I'm uh, I'm excited too, and and thank you for that. Although I have to say before we begin, I I keep staring over your shoulder. You've got the plant that I recently killed, and so I'm wondering how you managed. I keep staring at which it one. Like, this how one? did you keep that one alive? Yeah, it's yeah. tricky. This little guy. That is... one is the one I that the only one I've killed, and so I'm I want to spend this hour asking you how you <laughs> keep those alive because I can't do it. Apparently. So I I. 
so I move plants around. Um, mm. This guy, I haven't, I just moved him here. I haven't quite figured him out yet um, <laughs> because he almost died. And then, and mm. I think it's because I overwatered him and then didn't give him enough daylight. So then okay. I put him in this other area that has daylight, but not like direct sun. And okay. then I just, and now he's got new growth. And okay. so amazing. I can see it. Yeah, new growth. Yeah. And you can see it's like growing kind of weird because yeah. he's had some tough times. And um, so I think the key, I think the key is in having daylight, not necessarily direct sun, mm. and don't overwater it because that yeah, was that was my mistake. Yeah. Oh, it does but not yes. want to be overwatered. Yeah. So no, I, I didn't mean to hijack your conversation. I just it kept drawing my eye because I still have guilt <laughs> over killing. <laughs> That's so funny because I just put it here and I had this whole conversation with it. I've got it next to another plant. Like, okay, you've got community, uh-huh. you've got support. <laughs> like, I love it. You know. Um, so we'll see what happens. But the the new life is is there, and uh, so uh-huh. I'm going to watch the watering. But I think that that's key. Like, don't overwater okay. it. Okay, I'm going to consider you my guru of houseplants from now on. Okay, you got to talk to them too. <laughs> Do you have like conversations and things with them? Uh, only the ones that uh, sometimes struggle. Like I have a fern that's um, uh, it, it, go, it goes up and down in how well it looks, and I'm like, "Come on, little guy, that's that's the only one I really talk to." What if? But yeah, you, maybe I should. Yeah, like celebrate their victories, right? You see that new life. Mm-hmm. I always like look at mm-hmm. the new life and celebrate the victories of the new life. That's peaceful. Yeah, <laughs> love that. I, mean, I, do, I do get excited for the new life, but I don't tell it. So maybe I need yeah, to yeah. It. I mean, we do it to ourselves, right? We we can gloss over so easily celebrating mm-hmm. our victories. So true, right? So true. So, um, all right. And I know we're going to get into the the mental piece of things Mm because I know you've done a lot of work around that and you also have a mental training program. You've had some mental training weeks on the podcast, but I want, I think we'll be remiss if we don't back up the truck and just Mm. uh, share with us your backstory in case anybody's been living under a rock and they don't know who (laughs) Tina Muir is. It's time to wake up, people. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you. Well, it's funny you said earlier about how we're so much more than, you know, the identities that we hold or the the things that you can bring up in a bio. And it is funny with, uh, I mean, with both of you and, and what I do um, that aren't in those traditional roles of like an accountant or a teacher, um, trying to explain to people when they're like, what do you do? And you're like, well, you know, I do this and this and this and this and this and this. And, this. and they're like, and that's a job. I'm like, well, Yeah. It's just like not one thing. It's lots of things. And so it's quite hard to um, describe that. And so I was thinking about that earlier when you were saying that because we do try and put ourselves into boxes and it's, um, yeah, it's fun to kind of break out of that and say we don't have to just say one thing, but it is also hard to describe what you what you do do. But that said, um, so, yeah, backing up, I um, started running as a teenager Um I don't really remember ending up good at it. Um, I just remember ending up on the cross-country team. So it wasn't like this thing that I said to my parents when I was five, you know, I'm going to start running and I love running. Um, I I always knew I was competitive. Um, That was definitely clear. My parents acknowledged that. But but yeah, I ended up on the cross-country team and improved pretty rapidly once I was there. and then I became good enough to get offered scholarships to the US. Um, and I was thankful that I had a coach who was 
against my will, held me back a lot and didn't let me run very much. I was running maybe half, maybe less than half of what typical kids at my level were running. Um, and at the time that annoyed me because I wanted more, I wanted more, I wanted to see what I could do. But this, I am, every time I'm interviewed, I always thank Brad because without him, I wouldn't be here because I would have run myself into the ground as a teenager. I've been another one of those kids. Um, and so, yeah, I went, ended up going to college and being very successful there because as it should be getting into my twenties, that was when I could really perform, um, and start to head towards seeing what I was capable of. And I continued that through my twenties, uh, eventually becoming a professional runner. And as you said, doing well in the marathon and half marathon, uh, do you want me to go any further or do you want to, cause that's to take a turn soon, do you? Yeah, let's let's take let's take let's take the turn. Yeah, yeah. So then the big <laughs> turn to the uh, to the to the story was that uh, shortly after running my uh, lifetime goal, which I'd been aiming for for fourteen years, uh, running for Great Britain in a World Championship, uh, and then running a a personal best, and then another personal best in the marathon, um, I randomly quit one day. Uh, done. Didn't know if I would ever run again. Took three months of absolutely zero exercise and I loved it. Um, and I really felt like I needed it. I was burned out, um, ended up pregnant 10 weeks after stopping intentionally. That wasn't a surprise. That was, the, that was the plan. Um, and now I'm back into running with two daughters, uh, with a whole new approach to sport and life and, um, have, uh, also started my business running for real which is about supporting other runners through their journeys as I did the many many years of of my own journey and my own life being the priority I want to put others first it's kind of it in a nutshell so when you walked away from running was that in with an intention to um because I've heard you talk about like to attend to your health but in your mind was mm. that also moving you towards motherhood yeah it, it was definitely a, a a two-part decision. Um, the first thing was I was 28 at the time. I was well aware that, uh, I probably should get a move on with, um, with, you know, starting a family because I, uh, knew that the longer I waited, the more difficult it could be on my body. Uh, and also, yeah, there was the health factor that I didn't have a period. And so who knows, who knows how long that would take? I'd gone nine years without having a period, which, uh, while it was common. I knew it wasn't good for my body. And so I wanted to give myself enough time so that if we did end up needing to take lots of different paths and lots of different steps to get there, um, we wouldn't be at a point where it was too late. So there was two elements to it. And then, as I said, I was burned out. I was getting to the point where I despised what I was doing. I'd be in a morning run thinking, oh, I've got to run again later today. But so before I'd even finished one, I was already dreading the next. Uh, so there was the element of mental and physical burnout within my body, I think. Mm. Um, and were you, in your professional career, were you seeking out mental skills training, like sports psychologist and mm. um, during that time? I've always been fascinated with psychology. That's been something my whole life. I've, I just love the concept of working on your mind, about it not being just about uh, you know, extinguishing fires when they're happening, but using it to be better humans to grow constantly. I really believe in therapy 
I mean, I wish everyone in the world could have therapy, but um, I did have a sports psychologist who I worked with. She was a critical piece of my success. I always said in the final few years, my um, coach slash husband, my strength training coach and my sports psychologist were like the three legs of the stool that allowed me to like step up and and achieve that potential. But um, yeah, within those sessions, we mostly talked about... um, you know, what was going on in races as opposed to what was going on internally. And I did tell her when I, uh, you know, she was very supportive and still is one of my best friends through this um, transition. Uh, And I don't work with her as a therapist anymore, but she's still a very close friend. Um, And yeah, so it was a part of it, um, but not something I allowed myself. I think it was more that I was scared of what I would find if I dove into the underneath while I was, while I was trying to perform. Yeah, we, we, <laughs> we see that it's like the, un, we don't know what that, we don't know what that is. It's, un, it's, it's known, but it's unknown. It's been layered. Mm. It's been layered over. So it's, it's sort of like uncomfortable to, to, to bridge ourselves into that space, even though we know it's really good for us and we can have a, an amazing, you know, breakthrough or come to some resolution, mm. but it's, it's the mind just doesn't know what that's like. Um, and it, and the unfamiliarity is almost too scary. And I guess I'm speaking, you know, for myself or some athletes I work mm-hmm. with and, and you see what it could be on the other side. But, um, again, the unknown right? we have no library, we have no like reference yeah. for this point. Um, so in that, in that relationship, do you now see how beneficial um, having that, um, support team around you is for athletes that are coming up that maybe you work with or see or or interview? I mean, I think all of us need a support network of some kind. Uh, obviously it's varying levels. If someone is doing, uh, an exercise for a hobby, uh, do they need to pay $200 an hour to see a sports psychologist? Uh, I mean, if you could afford it, if you have the privilege of being able to do that, amazing. But I think, there's we can find each of those roles um, and that support system within our lives Um, and maybe it isn't I often talk to people within our community about it doesn't have to even be someone you know or can connect with it can be you know they say uh, you become the people you surround yourself with well listening to people in podcasts not saying you know myself but like uh, Brene Brown is a huge um, a huge person for me so anything she does I like suck it up um, and I feel like she has good influence on my life with the, the lessons that she has and the things that she can teach me. So um, I think, yeah, I think it, uh, the support system and having those people to dig deeper is critical, um, especially in for people who are in a sport like mine with running. I mean, um, I guess most sports, actually, what we're see, what we, what is portrayed is this like, dig down, grit your teeth, get through it. And, uh, and as I said, I was afraid to see what was underneath. I think that's, um, that's quite often the case that there's a breakdown before you make progress and before you push through the other side and, and get to your potential. Um, and most people who take their sport seriously or athletes are afraid to give up and take that time for the breakdown, even if it means getting to the other side. Um, I think it's kind of like choosing to um, take an injury uh, and even if it's a mental injury. And I think, yeah, I wish 
in many ways that I would have like seen what could have happened had I had I um, taken that approach earlier before I reached that burnout point. Mm. And then after you walked away from the sport, did you ever go in there to that treasure chest of the unknown? Like, did you mm-hmm. like traverse like what we would call like the dark night of the soul or burning in the fire, you know, which mm-hmm. we talk pretty candidly about our, our own, you know, burning in the fire all the time. Um, and I think, I think that we live in a world now, thank goodness, we live in a world now, um, at least the world that I am aware of that I live within is that it's more safe to talk about this now. Um, and so, yeah, so did that go along with your physical healing? Did you find like a mental healing? Did you find that you were able to crack open that, uh, like I said, that treasure chest of whatever yeah. was in there? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think as, uh, I think it was you, BJ, who said earlier that, um, we, it's kind of layers. You've got to work through them. And I think I broke through the superficial ones at first, but I, I actually have often said that that first period of healing where my body was physically healing, mentally, I honestly, I kind of skated through it in a way I shouldn't really have been able to do. Uh, and maybe that was the the work of the sports psychologist that had built a foundation enough to where I could get through those easier levels, maybe. Uh, so I didn't really have that much trouble at the beginning, but I did find that I... Um, was able to get into those more once my daughters were born. I began that progression more, I think. I've really seen the difference since my second daughter was born. Um, the first daughter, Bailey, it was more a thing of like, I am not going to... It was more like a um, determination about what I didn't want her to see as a girl, as a female coming into this world. And then I feel like I've gone deeper into um, more of the... Uh, drive to always accomplish achieve be doing um we were talking about earlier about uh discomfort and uh I've always found it hard to just be and not be doing things all the time my husband yesterday was saying yesterday was saying to me uh I feel like I have a post-it note and you have a novel of things to do (laughs) and um (laughs) and I think that's the same I'm still working through that trying to like be okay with not having 300 things at the same time uh so I don't know am I in the treasure chest I might just still be at the lock so (laughs) yeah I mean I think that there's always I'm like reaching behind me right now because I think my to-do list is back here (laughs) because of course I was trying to tidy up because somebody was coming over god forbid they see Oh, it's not here. It must be over there. But literally I said, this, my to-do list looks like a Shakespearean scroll. And BJ's Uh is a to-do list with like perfect (laughs) little- On a sticky note. On a sticky note. Yeah. (laughs) Little boxes that I can That's so funny that you just said that. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, And I can really, I can really relate to that for sure. But I think that we're always, there's always another level. I think there's always another level. There's always another level. Like we- Mm Our environment is really strong. And we're also, you know, you're doing it, we're doing it. We're having conversations with people where we're going deep. We're talking about big issues. We're talking about Mm -hmm. mental health. We're talking about the state of the world. We're talking about things that, you know, will start to crack us open a little bit. And I think that there's always higher levels of, um, for the lack of a better word, kind of that purification of Mm -hmm. who we are and what we carry um, through life. Because... 
you had to do a lot of armoring up, right? Like you'd wake up, oh, I have to do the other, armor up, get up and go. This is your job, do it. And, um, you know, I grew up in New England and that's kind of a badge of honor there, right? It's at least in my, I'm not going to generalize everybody that lives in New England, but for me, it was like, it was soldier on. It was, you know, you do for you and, and, you know, you make sure you're, you're good. And, um, and I think we just soldier through the world and we carry a lot. So whether it's something that, you know, we picked up when we were little or something we saw on the news one day. We, you know, we see devastating things all the time and we still have to, you know, go to the bank and go to the grocery store. And so I feel like we're soldiering up all the time and there's always, there's always layers, but perhaps we get better at it. Perhaps it doesn't take us down as much as we see those things get revealed or feel them even, even more appropriately, Mm -hmm. right? Feel them move through Mm us. Yeah. 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 I I feel like that is one thing over time. I I at least have become better at sitting in the I've always been a fixer. That's been Mm. one of my things that I've been really trying to work on. Um, And quite often my husband will say, like, you know, I don't need you to give me an answer. I just need you to listen to me. Uh, That's something I've really struggled with. But um, I think a lot of that is that whole approach of like, okay, next thing to get done. I've got got to, like, as you said, soldier on through the world. Okay, what's your problem? Okay, what can we do to fix this? Um, And trying to just say, okay, this isn't going to figure itself out right away. Let people figure things out in their own time. You don't have to, you know, force them into things just so that you feel like you're doing something towards it. So it's tough though. Yeah. How are your daughters helping you with that process? Uh, Well, I actually do have a funny story about something my daughter said while I was uh, home in England. She, um, I was having a discussion with my mum one day. I can't even remember what it was about. And, uh, I can be one of, again, that fixer, kind of quite pushy with trying to make people do what I think they should be doing. (laughs) And she came over to me and said, Mummy, she's four uh, four now, she was three at the time. Mummy, you need to let Nanny make her own decision. It's her choice. And at first I was like, I am. But then I was like, actually, that is exactly the lesson I want you to be learning. And you are right. And so I said to her, you know what, Bailey, you're right. Uh, I do need to let Nanny make her own choice. Um, And so, yes, they are that constant reflection back of the messages that, you know, I so badly want them to learn. They keep me humble with those within myself. Um, And then I actually think more than anything, what comes to mind is just, um, and Jess, you'll understand this well but uh I'm so scared that my daughters are going to lose that like silliness and the zest for just having fun in the moment and get getting sucked into that to-do list gotta be serious uh thing that they remind me that you know even if uh they're at the dinner table and they're doing something that irritates me for a second I might be like you know what let them be silly. They're four and one. Like that's so. It's um mostly that a reminder to just be in the moment, and that these right here are the moments I'm going to miss, rather than you know the big trips somewhere here or there. So, yeah, they're definitely helping me a lot. How do you? You're, it sounds like you're you're on this path. That well, you are uh, interrupting the process, interrupting this thought because you know what the good solution is. You know your mind, and I feel this all the time with Jess. Like. You know, just don't put the spatula there. It can it works better on this side of the counter. Like if you put it over here, <laughs> and that's the story and commentary that's going on in my head. But I know it's not going to serve any like beneficial mm-hmm. purpose. Um, 
but you know, I'll speak for myself. Uh, understanding that you can pause and you can interrupt this thought pattern just by taking a breath or cueing into something that's happening now. I, you know, I used mm-hmm. to wear an elastic around my wrist where I would just, you know, snap it just to kind of wake me out of the um, the habits that I was in. Is there anything that's that's worked for you that? Um, because it seems like it's pretty simple, not simple for you, but it seems like you're onto it now where you're like, oh, I don't have to say that. Or my daughter's saying the exact right thing right now. If I'm making it sound simple, then I am definitely (laughs) saying the wrong things because it's not easy at all. And the exact example you just mentioned right there, I have the same discussion with my husband a lot where I'm like, you know, if you do it this way, it's actually quicker. And he's like, I don't need you to tell me which way to do it. So I definitely get still caught up in that a lot. Um, so I see that's, that's a perfect example though, right? Because you, what you see, whereas I'm like slapping my invisible elastic band on my wrist constantly, like scolding myself, like, oh, you missed it again. Like, oh, that was another opportunity. But then what other people see is, I'm actually, like you said, on that path. And the same with both of you, I'm sure, and everyone listening. Um, That said, what do I do? I mean, I think it's just, uh, yeah, I I honestly think it's the work with the therapist. I feel like every hour I get with a therapist maybe increases that time to react by a one hundredth of a second. And so um, now I can catch like some of the thoughts or maybe um, if I'm chewing something when I'm about to say something that gives me enough time to the time to chew gives me enough time to to catch it. Um, So, yeah, I don't have any like I love that elastic band idea, but I think it's just, yeah, the work with the therapist is slowly like his voice uh, is just in my ear. Mm. Um, and I haven't seen him in a month and I actually wrote in my journal this morning, I can feel it because his voice has faded. Um, and so I'm seeing him next week and I'm excited for it. Uh, but yeah, I wish I had a a better tip, but I feel like I'm way at the beginning of the process. Well, that's the, um, I'll just say what I, what I just observed from what you just said is repetition. Like he's, you're constantly seeing your therapist, a repetition of the voice in the head. And this is exactly what we do as athletes. There's no, there's no secret workout or secret food that you take in or whatever secret coach. It's like, it's this repetition of this, of, I know similar things over and over and over. And Mm -hmm. I'm glad that you pointed that out because people see us or connect with us and they're like, Oh, you guys live this, you know, amazing, you know, beautiful life. And, everything must be going right. And, and, you know, we have challenges and we work through them. We just interrupt the process and we we're mm-hmm. able to catch ourselves, but it's not 100%. I love the one 100%. Like it just gets a little, little bit better mm-hmm. with every ex- experience you have. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I love what you were, you touched, you said a word that's like one of my favorite words and I don't ever want to forget living this is silliness. Because I definitely, you know, being a yoga teacher and teaching meditation and, you know, being an endurance athlete, like, I got really serious. I don't know what happened. I got really serious. Like, you know, I don't mean like five years ago, I was just like so serious about everything. Everything was so serious. And, and we ended up getting this puppy, um, who we still have and, and he taught me that silliness, right? We don't have, 
children, but this puppy taught me that silliness. And so mm. we've kind of brought that into our interrupting our patterns, right? You and your husband sounds like you guys have patterns. We should, we should have brought him onto this conversation. <laughs> we could have changed the whole podcast. Um, but one of the things I try and do is bring, and it's a risk because I don't know if I'm going to, you know, send him into anger or whatever, but like, mm. we'll try, I'll try and bring that silliness in like, okay, you're being, you're like, okay, controlly. You know, like that, like I'll do things where I'm trying, like, oh, did you see me just trying to control that? Or, you know, like we'll try and bring some silliness in. And then other times, like we pulled up to the pool the other day, we were having this super unproductive, like, you know, cyclical conversation that we've had since we were 25 years old. And, um, and I said, oh, we're just in that weird, unproductive, blah. So let's stop mm-hmm. it. And it was weird energy and then it faded, mm-hmm. but it's that acknowledgement of it. And I think that yes. when we can plug mm-hmm. in a little bit of serious in there, like, oh my God, I'm trying, like BJ, you're trying to control where I put the spatula. Like, come on, the earth is still <laughs> rotating. That's the important thing. Like the planets are still aligned. Like nothing's crashing mm-hmm. into the sun. That's what's important. Mm-hmm. Not where the spatula is. you're exactly right no i i I feel you bj i i struggle not to say something like why would you why would you not want something that's quicker or better and but anyway you're exactly right jess that you need to um like like you said what is what is the point a few seconds saved or a uh you know one spoon less washed or whatever it may be is um is is just not worth it but yeah that silliness like especially i um, yeah, I feel so sensitive about, um, ooh, again, we're, we're, we're kind of in this society where we just have to plug away, get through, survive. Um, and especially in the turmoil that the world's going through right now, everything is very serious. But as you said, there's a lot of hope. There's a lot of light. There's a lot of things to be, um, that are beautiful in this, in this world, as you said. But, um, yeah, if we don't keep that, uh, just fun in there and not fun. Like let's go do something fun, but like the sporadic moments that came up again, I, I mentioned Brene Brown. She, I had, I remember hearing her talk about her daughter once and how she was dancing in the middle of a store and, um, was just like, come on, mom, join in. And Brene said, I remember thinking to myself, um, uh, this is it. This is the moment you either decide whether you shame her without shaming her by saying like, Oh, I'm just going to watch you like not joining in or you act silly in front of everyone around you, but you show your daughter to be silly, have fun, do what feels right. And she was like, I did it. And I'm so proud. So I always keep that in my mind of, uh, you know, and I've had people like, I remember it was in Trader Joe's once and a woman was like, get it, mom. And I was so embarrassed for a second, but I was like, you know what? Like I'm never seeing that person again. Or maybe, you know, they might know me as the mom that dances with her kid, but like, but that taught my daughter keep being silly. Um, and me too. So yeah, I'm, that's something I'm very sensitive about. It kind of reminds me uh, what's coming up is this conversation we've had with Sally McRae. I don't know if you yeah. know. Yeah, Sally. Yeah, and, oh, yeah, I know Sally. Yeah. And she was talking about like, I, I can't remember the, the context of it. I think it was like a race or, you know, when you don't complete a race or something. And she was talking about how like, it's just your pride. It's just your pride that's hurt. And so in that moment when we're going to do something silly, you know, um, I love that, shaming her without shaming her. Like, oh, I'm just going to watch you. Like, it's what is holding us back from that? It's this idea of who we're supposed to be and how we're supposed to act. And really, if everybody was just dancing a little bit more in Trader Joe's, like, wouldn't the whole, like, wouldn't all that energy just lighten up? And so I think that when we 
like you and Beach were talking about, like getting into that, interrupting the process and seeing like, what is really at risk here? Okay. It's my pride. Like my pride, like, and so what do I want to pride myself with being appropriate, you know, and being a soldier in the grocery store? Or do I want to pride myself on, on connecting with my daughter and dancing and, mm-hmm. and being free right now? Because isn't that ultimately what we're all seeking is freedom? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Beautifully said. So true. Um, okay, let's. I want to stay on the fun train. Um, <laughs> we're not going to climate change yet. Uh, I want to stay on the fun train. And fun. although there is a lot of hope there, yeah. and there's a lot of good things Absolutely. that we can do. Mm-hmm. But can we talk about ultra training? Because you're now on the trails, and I know you weren't able to do the 50K that you were planning on doing, but it sounds like you signed up for one in the spring. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. coming from, you know, focus road training for so many years, marathon, half marathon, mm-hmm. pavement, 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 and now you're on the trails. Like, Tell us about that experience of, of being out there and, and training for something that you haven't done before, like an, an ultra. Yes. This is a big part of, of that fun piece and, and almost uh, getting as far away from the old version of running as I can. I mentioned earlier about, you know, I wish I'd taken that time to break through the mental barrier earlier but um right now even though I've broken through that space uh got into that chest of mine I I have no interest in going back to that because I know at least for me what it involved and maybe I will someday but for now I just want to chase the fun and so um trails is something that's always um I've always been curious about it I was always actually my best um distance if you want to call it that in in school was cross country I was the worse the conditions the better I did if it was I mean in England we have cross country courses that are like you have to run through a lake and a river and it's very much like a trail race or not a lake sorry I should say just like a few feet in the in uh, a creek and then you might have to run in climb up the other side which is slick mud you know so mud all over you um, and I was loved that stuff. So it, trails had always intrigued me, but I was too scared of the typical thing. I don't want to roll my ankle. Um, so I didn't do it for the longest time. Same, <laughs> yeah. same thing. Is that you won't go on it now or you never used to? I would never before because I, I'm so invested in triathlon, like road uh-huh. stuff, like... I don't want to, I don't want to twist my ankle. I don't, I, cause I know, you know what? I know I'm going to have an awesome time. I know I'm going to be bombing down the, down the trail. (laughs) Uh And I know, Uh I don't know. I think I know that what's going to happen, but continue on. Cause it sounds like. Yeah, no, you're, no, you're exactly right. And even now I still, when I'm running in the trails, I still envision myself falling over most runs. I don't, I can't like seem to push that thought out of my head. Um, and it, I think it's just that fear factor. But uh, the the ironic thing with both you and I saying that, though, is that once you start doing trails, you actually strengthen your ankles. So then you get up. Like, it's just quite funny that like that's the reason we give. But you've just got to break through that little first, in you know, beginner part. But, um, yeah, so uh, I, I was really excited to race my first 50K in uh, December. Was it December? Yeah. December um, or end of November Um, and yeah I just it was really unfortunate that my daughters tested positive the day before we were leaving and you know we debated whether I went on my own but we just decided it's just not worth it so uh, 
inevitably I ended up having it too. And, um, and then, so that just kind of put an end to everything. You know, it wasn't a case of like, let's find something else once I was a week behind them. And I just thought, you know what, let's just cut our losses and move on. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I knew I wanted to sign up for something, but actually I did have a lot of hesitation at the beginning of the year. Like I just, it's, you know, it's February and I only just signed up for it. Whereas I think, so it, I almost feel like I either needed time to grieve or I, I, maybe I thought I'd made the wrong choice. Maybe the world was telling me not to do it because I'm surprised that it wasn't, I had this happen in November and then in December I was like, right, get me a race in January. But I didn't feel that way. Um, but that said, I went to the trails recently and I just was like, yes, have missed this. I am back on this. Like, let's go for it. Um, and yeah, so I've picked the Bryce Canyon 50K in Utah, which I, I've never been to Bryce Canyon, but I'm, I've heard a lot about it. And I thought, you know what, why not go for something spectacular? Uh, again, keeping that fun element. It's not about how fast, um, but just being able to appreciate that experience. And so everything I've done, and again, it's been a progression I did the Disney World half marathon uh, as my first postpartum race after my first daughter. And while I enjoyed elements of it, I still couldn't quite fully let go to enjoy it. And so I feel like I'm now more and more on this path of just following the joy. Um, and I'd love to do things like running the Empire State steps and, um, you know, maybe even doing one of those donut runs or <laughs> just all, it's all about chasing that fun stuff. But trails has been, uh, really special and, um, yeah, there's something about being out there for three or four hours that I've really, really enjoyed and I'm excited about. So, well, we'll <clears throat> Bryce Canyon is spectacular. It is an, it's a wonderful, I've, I've did the 50 mile one oh, in done that 2020. Twice. Amazing. Um, and the 50K chorus, if it's still the same, will take you through this amazing place mm. called Red Canyon, which you may or may mm. not leave a piece of your soul there. I certainly did. <laughs> um, but BJ, you ran the I last, you, yeah. you ran the last 20 miles, which, which she'll be, on that piece too. And, and it's just, it is spectacular, super uh -huh. well run race. And, um, yeah, you're, I'm so excited for you. What, a yeah. what a wonderful entry into, um, and it's, it's tough. It's, yes. it's yeah. a gnarly race. And for me, I mean, that's why I love it. Like I, I, I love that gnarliness of, of nature and just, gorgeous. I mean, you're going to feel like you're on Mars and you're going to feel like you're in the deep woods. Like you'll get all the different landscapes mm. and, and, uh, and beauty. And that's so wonderful. Um, Amazing. so what do you, so having all this experience training for marathons and things like that, how do you feel like your, or if any, um, training will shift or change like new things that you're going to need to embrace because you're going to be off-road and, and going longer? Mm -hmm. Well, there's actually two things that I'm doing before that that are going to help um, me prepare for the, yeah, the, the amount of time on my legs and also just the, um, the difficulty uh, component, but um, not maybe in the traditional sense. And they both, they make it a little bit more challenging as well. So in April, I am, uh, running Boston as a guide for a visually impaired athlete. Um, 
And so he's planning to run between four and five hours. And then I was also given the opportunity to um, be a guide for another runner in the Maui Marathon a week later. So I'm doing these back to back because opportunity of a lifetime. I'm not going to come home in between. I'm going to go straight, you know, for one. Don't want to add more flights. And um, and even the Bryce Canyon one is actually a layover on the way back from visiting family. Um, but yeah, so those two races are going to be two races, four to five hours back to back weekend. So I feel like that in itself is is some good practice with the time on my feet, with the pounding. Um, obviously, roads are a lot tougher on our bodies than um, than trails, so that element will help. But it also again makes things a bit more tricky because um, it means that I have to spend time on the road getting prepared for those, so that I don't end up injured. Um, and then it also means that I have to make those the focus to get healthy for those and then kind of almost like an afterthought think about the 50k but um because I've committed to these and and I really want to be there for them both uh but no I mean again it's it's it it sounded right it felt right uh again I love that act of service using my body that can handle training um to be able to give back to the community so Training is not going to be, I think, what traditional ultra training is going to be in many ways. Um, but I'm still alternating my weekends, getting out to the trails. Um, and that, I think, is the you know bulk of it, as long as I can keep getting those long runs in and making sure I'm getting those elevation gain practices. Uh, I hope I'll be okay. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we'll yeah. See. Oh, yeah. You'll be fine because <laughs> you don't live at elevation, right? You don't. You're not. No. Like, yeah, you'll be you'll be fine. This isn't at elevation, is it? Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh-oh. I think it's. I think the starting line's like seven thousand feet. <laughs> oh dear. I might be oh, yeah. yeah, but if you're flying on a layover, you're going to be in and out like super quick. It won't even affect okay, you. Okay, that's yeah. true. Yeah, your blood's well, all. Yeah, they will. Well, we'll believe that. Yeah. Okay. You're fine. Okay. I'm just going to tell myself. Yeah. This. I have. I actually have raced at altitude at college um, a few times, and so I feel like mentally, at least, I know I can do it. It was the shorter distances, which makes it more. Uh, difficult because you obviously yeah. uh, anaerobic very quickly um or maybe it is easier I don't know uh but I'm going to use that as a mental trick yeah I mean it's going to be what you believe it to be right yeah. so you can mm-hmm. I, and I've seen this so we've seen this so many times I've experienced it too like I went into Bryce's just like I'm going to be, it's going to be fine. Like it's going to be mm-hmm. fine. And mm-hmm. I think for me, it was more of the dry climate than it was the elevation mm-hmm. to be mm-hmm. quite honest. Um, that dry climate, it was, it was pretty dry and hot. Uh, but no, it's, you know what? The beauty and the power mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. mother nature just superseded mm-hmm. any kind of little, uh, yeah. voice in the head that's like, well, we're at elevation and, you know, all that just <laughs> yeah, yeah, minutia, yeah. right? Yeah, so it's just, uh-huh. it's, it, uh-huh. there's something bigger. It's bigger. Yeah. Um, okay. Speaking of Mother Nature, uh, it's a good little segue. Um, let's talk about how you got involved with, well, I want to know how you got involved with United Nations, but also mm-hmm. when did, you know, you know, the state of our climate and the state of our the health of our earth when did that begin to you know come into your come into your life as something that uh, you hold very close to your heart mm-hmm. uh it's always been some my dad is very maybe not uh like an eco warrior or environmentalist but he's always been very aware of certain elements like he he really hammered home the message of like 
don't waste food like that's bad um for you know our world to just you know have uh food be grown or created and then just throw it in the trash like he always made that very clear that that was not really something he felt good about um and I did take geography classes in school that really made me aware uh I quite enjoyed those and made me think about the how the actions of one place can affect another place so those were always in my mind um and then yeah I um <laughs> because of that uh thing I said about my dad not liking waste and he was very good at you know reusing things or um making us get the most out of things um I feel like now my I feel like within environmental action everyone has like a, a particular area and for me mine is waste like I'm obsessed with waste like <laughs> Um, not, <laughs> and so, um, yeah, I, I definitely feel like I can see where that's come from, but the rest I feel like has been a gradual progression over time where I've become more aware. I've seen the impacts. I mean, we all see the impacts, um, but working through the almost stages of grief, um, uh, as coming to terms with what our future could look like. Um, and yeah, I just, it, to me, it, I always struggled with the idea that, while other nonprofits and organizations could be doing really important work, surely like our planet surviving. Um, <laughs> I mean, that keeps every single one of us alive. Um, and so uh, I always found that to be the, 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 the cause that drew my attention the most. And then the more I read up on it, the more I wanted to learn more. Um, and actually my daughter this morning said, I want to go to, to Mother Earth camp this summer. And I was like, yes. <laughs> Not that there is one, but like. <laughs> you have to create it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I did look for like nature camps and we found, I found one that is outside like that. But still, um, yeah, it's just been over time. Um, I've started to, I spoke, started to speak up on it more and, and make decisions. And I really, um, I've heard, um, the director of council for responsible sport, uh, her name's Shelley Villa, Villa Lobos. Uh, she was on running realize she talks about the term pro environmental lens. And that just means like over time, the more you pay attention to it, the more you start to think about your, all your actions. And so for me, that's just continued to build. Um, and I think as a lot of people don't want to speak out about it because it does obviously require um you putting yourself out there because myself and anyone who talks about climate uh is always going to have that opportunity for people to be like will you do this or like you took a flight to see your parents how dare you like shouldn't you never fly again and never have your parents fly again you know so it, it is quite um it puts yourself in a risky place and so um but to me that always felt like the right thing to do and I always wanted to be able to look at my daughters and 20 years and be able to say when they say what did you do to help I'll be like I did all I could I spoke about it as much as I could I tried to help others um and so that drives me a lot is thinking about that conversation with my kids in the same way of like the civil rights movements of the past um you know most people now would say oh I definitely would have um been a part of it but in the reality was most people weren't so I want to be knowing with the climate thing that I was at least out there doing my best. Is there any, so with that, like at a basic level, what is, what is like in your awareness? Cause 
with the lens thing, we're basically talking about what we focus on is going to expand. So if we keep focusing on an injury, the injury is going to expand. If we focus on health, we're going to get healthy. If we focus on we're going to be just fine at elevation, you're going to be fine at elevation when you do Bryce. <clears throat> what can um, what what are some easy things that that you've noticed that you can just clean tidy up maybe for uh, for the environment around you? Like obviously you're not going to not fly. But there are things mm-hmm. that we can just look around and say, like, okay, well, this is pretty basic. I can, I can adjust mm-hmm. this. Yeah, I mean, I think we we all know that it's it's not as simple as you know, do these three things and then everything will be great. Um, this is way too big for that. Uh, and I think one thing I want to mention before I actually answer your question is that uh, I would hope most listeners have heard this, but like seventy one percent of uh, emissions are coming from a hundred companies. So our individual impact is so minimal. It's hard to even uh, speak to. And there's an amazing episode of a podcast called how to save a planet where they discuss this. It's called is your carbon footprint BS? And they discuss it. Like what are the, what, what impact can you have versus is it really worth it? And it's, I think a brother and sister who are having a discussion about it, that they look at both of their views um but that said um yeah so um i think there's a lot of messaging that over the coming years is going to come through telling us you need to you need to do your part you need to stop buying so much plastic and and you can look at something i always use the example of yogurt someone says okay i don't have days to make my own yogurt so i need to buy yogurt um how do i buy yogurt well i buy it in a plastic tub is there any option that's not a plastic tub? Yeah, maybe one of those like little individual ones from, I don't know, Danone or uh, one of Activia or I don't know, that's it. Like that is literally your only option. So how can we make these changes if they don't exist? Um, same with air travel. Uh, if green air travel doesn't exist, how are we supposed to, to make it? Um, and so... I want to just mention that first because I think that's important that a lot of blame is going to get pinned on us and that's that 70 uh, 71 oh, sorry 100 companies trying to like keep the conversation on us. Mm. That said, uh three of the biggest things I would say people can do the first is to talk about it. I know that's mm. not glamorous. I know that's not exciting, but the more we can have it in conversation with as many people as we can about as many things as we can. It doesn't have to be, you know, going up to a a neighborhood event and being like, did you know that 71%, you know, (laughs) because people are going to shut down, but it could be, you know, um, Oh, I brought, here's a chili cook off. Um, Oh, I brought a a vegetarian chili just because we're trying to eat a little less meat. You know, it's something like that um, because of, you know, the impact on the environment. Or, um, you know, taking, um, walking your child, walking a child to school or, and saying, oh yeah, we're walking just because we're trying to cut back on the amount we're driving, uh, to reduce our, our emissions. Things like that. Talking about it is number one. Um, and then I would say that, um, I mean, if you have uh, access to public transport, that's another huge one where you can, um, you know, utilize it. I know that COVID has made that a little bit complicated. Um, and I will admit, when I went to New York during this last year, I, I used a few taxis when I otherwise wouldn't. Um, because of that reason, I wasn't, or I guess it was the beginning of the pandemic, I wasn't sure about the situation. Uh, 
maybe the trains weren't even working. I can't remember. But if you can use public transport. Um, and then I would say exploring close to home. I mean, we, we love to travel and there's nothing wrong with traveling. But we most of us have a lot of a lot to offer that we haven't even explored yet. Um, and so while you don't have to never travel again, seeing what you can see of your own area, I think is another way that um, we can really like do something that could um, allow us to get an experience, but also to have an impact. Ah, I like those. And I think the first, the first one you mentioned talking about is probably the most challenging because we're getting out of our comfort mm-hmm. zone to, to speak yeah. with what maybe is placed upon our heart, but not something we're comfortable expressing, which is, yeah. I mean, the story of, of humanity, right? So let's yeah. just, yeah. let's just talk about it a little bit more. I think that's, that's really powerful, but I get the whole, yeah, I, go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to say, and I, and it's not like, you know, still sometimes even I talk about it a lot. I still get it wrong. Like I might be talking to a friend and I start to go and I can see that them, I can almost see in the head being like, Oh, here we go again. Um, <laughs> because I've gone in too deep. Um, but yeah, like bringing it up keep, again, keeps it in people's minds, which keeps them expanding their awareness of, um, like, Oh yeah, maybe that, um, Maybe that weekly uh, delivery or buying everything I need or maybe getting an Amazon next day delivery. Uh, oh, actually, yeah, that probably would require quite a lot of air travel. And yeah, that probably would put a lot of pressure on um, getting things somewhere quickly and uh, a lot of inefficient methods because they're trying to get it to me fast. So just making people think, even if it's not in that moment. Yeah, and just and changing the... Through talking, through, you know, through, we're going to, our minds are curious. So mm-hmm. the more we can talk about it, the more we can have these conversations, the mind's going to be curious. That's going to start to shift the collective mindset mm-hmm. um, so that the next time that they see that, you know, click here to have it come in less boxes, because we get that option all the time, which is great. Um, you know, and I know that that one click isn't gonna save the world, but it's, it's one click that's gonna, that's going to continue momentum in the, in the direction that we desire. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, those hundred companies, they just need to go to therapy and get some mental training skills <laughs> and they need to open that treasure chest of pain. Yeah, Be- I don't even want to know what's in their treasure chest. Yeah, there's a treasure pain. chest of pain there. Um, <laughs> so, and then how did you get, um, like how, how does this relationship happen with the UN? Oh yeah. Sorry. So you did that. Well, that, I mean, was just an incredible moment where I was opened my email up one day and I had an email from someone saying, hello, my name is, I won't say the name. Uh, I work for the United Nations and she had a thing in, at the bottom that was the logo and it said department of da, 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 da. And like the, you, and the email was at UN.org and, you were like, yeah, is this, my mouth you were like, is this legit? Do I need to send $10,000 to some? <laughs> if it hadn't have been at the at UN.org email, I think I would have thought it was a, it was a joke. Um, and that's what I said. I think I said to her, I was like, uh, like, you, you, you want me? Like, what? <laughs> um, but that said, I, they actually had an incredibly successful campaign with what they did with um, myself and some others and this campaign they did. And I think that the UN has realized that sport is going to be a major path for them to get the message out. I really think that this was a, um, a, a, 
a factor that m- will bring more about more to show that there we can use exercise and use sport to uh, as a vehicle for transporting, you know, some important messages like that. That's... So it was pretty exciting. And is there anything brewing for this coming year? Any initiatives that you know about that you'll be helping them with that you want to raise awareness on? Um, not right now. No, um, I. They said they would be in touch in a few months' time. So I, for now, I don't have anything. Um, we did do a bonus episode of Running Realized a few months ago that they requested. Um, which was about climate change. It was about the COP26 conference. So that was the most recent thing. And and that was pretty amazing to be able to do. Um, But yeah, I I would love to at some point to do some kind of um, stunt or, you know, like there was a guy, Lewis Pugh, who did a swim through the um, Arctic Ocean, I think, a few months ago. Um, It was like amongst icebergs and uh, ice... It was crazy pictures, but like I'd love to do something maybe not that extreme, but something as part of a awareness building campaign with them. Um, but they've kind of said like, "Give me your ideas," and I haven't really come up with anything yet. So I like that. I uh, like that we'll idea. There's something there. Mm-hmm. So, um, mm-hmm. and uh, as we begin to wrap this up, I do want to touch up just back on the mental piece. Um, you had mentioned uh, you journaled this morning, and. Um, are there other daily practices that you've carried from, you know, maybe your professional running career or things that are just become a non-negotiable for you in, um, you know, that self-awareness of, you know, mm-hmm. what thoughts are we indulging? Like what, what kind of feelings are we moving from? And, and is that in, in alignment with who we desire to be? Is there anything that you can share with our listeners that are non-negotiables for you? Um, well, firstly, I want to say just in the, in the spirit of being myself and running for real, even though I would consider these non-negotiables, my answer, like journaling, um, is the primary one. I don't do it every single day first thing. And sometimes not even at all, because I, I just want to recognize that like, for me, I, I, there, there are set, there's a certain element of like, yes, something can be a non-negotiable. Is it prioritized? Yes. Is it, I make sure I do that journal before I pick up my phone? Yes. However, if I um, feel like I need to sleep a bit later and my daughters are now waking up and it's the choice of leaving them in their bed saying mummy or doing my journal, I'm going to pick them, getting them out of their bed. So, um, but that said, the journaling, uh, so I do, um, I think it's the five minute journal um, prompts, which are uh, three things I do it all in one go, but three things that went amazing the day before, uh, one thing that made better, three things I'm grateful for, three things that will make today great, and then I write, I am, and I finish the sentence, and sometimes that will be, I am tired. (laughs) Other days it will be, I am, and then it goes on for two pages. Uh, So it really depends on, on my mental space, how much time I have before I have to get my girls up or get out the door for my run um, before they wake up or whatever it may be but that would I would say is the biggest one and um, I think one that's related is that I would say that I used to always watch shows or do things that every it felt like everyone was doing but I found for me personally there's a lot of shows that are too I consider stressful for me uh, Ozarks being a great example people love that show and I can't handle it like I, 
it was too stressful so like things like that not do it not watching it for the sake of being able to talk to people about did you see Ozarks last night but instead choosing things that actually allow me even if they are you know repetitive and um, not very exciting that allow me to be able to get a good restful night of sleep before bed I think that's key for me yeah yeah I mean that that's key for anyone I mean th- yeah I think we just finished Ozark and yeah I was like, we did we did it I and need it's... to watch Seinfeld or something <laughs> parenthood or something in between that instead so like, yeah and I don't know what it, there's like this darkness that's coming out because we don't watch violent shows we don't and then here we are going oh well, we'll just watch Ozark and it's yeah it's disturbing and I think you know, to go back to kind of what we talked about at the beginning of the conversation, I am very aware that that is leaving impressions on my mind. I am very aware mm-hmm. that it, that is traumatizing my nervous system, you know? So mm-hmm. it's like heavy dose of Coach Lasso in there, you know, some Seinfeld, <laughs> a little meditation, uh-huh. <laughs> something uh-huh. something on YouTube, some chant that's at a yeah. high, high Frequency, hertz or yeah. something. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I love that. I love the five-minute journal, and I also love what you said is like, sometimes it's like, I am tired, period, <laughs> end of conversation, not interested. And I think that, that that is, I hope that that gives people permission that this doesn't have mm-hmm. to be beautiful and it doesn't have to be... Um, perfect. Like, Yeah, it doesn't have to be perfect mm-hmm. and that we can, mm-hmm. we can move forward despite the imperfections or or this ideal in our mind of, of what it needs to be. Um, yeah. I think that's huge. When writing without, like, am I aware that maybe when I pass, my daughters will read this someday? Yeah, good chance they probably will. But trying to write authentically of what is going through my head, even if it's something that when my daughters, in theory, could read it someday, they would be like, ooh, mom. You know, like, so trying to really read write what is in your heart, not write as if you're writing a social media post that people are going to read. Yes. Yeah. Don't edit the truth, Mm -hmm. right? Like if we can't be truthful there, I always tell people like, just write like nobody's ever going to read it. And I've had people who, you know, don't feel safe about that. And so how do you feel safe? Okay. Then have a a. 5am burning session in your, in your backyard. Like literally I have had people who are just like, okay, yeah. no, that, then I'm going to be able to do it. And then that helps with their processing. So wherever you are, just meet yourself where you're at. Even if your mm-hmm. journal every day says, I am um, not interested in journaling. <laughs> yeah. And some days it does. <laughs> so I am done. Here. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Cool. Awesome. Well, I think that's, uh, I think that's a good place to end it. Um, I know that you're, you can be found on two podcasts. Um, and they're both amazing. I've been binging. Um, yeah, I've given up Ozark and I'm now binging on your podcast. <laughs> and running with you, running alongside you. Oh, you do those, do you, occasionally? Yeah. Occasionally. I, I don't know how you, you keep are able to talk and run. I know that's a question you were, <laughs> something uh-huh. people ask a lot, but um, it's got to be an easy, easy pace, I'm sure. Yeah. Or easier. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Yeah. I do keep it I do keep it very comfortable. And that's the, what I say the nice thing about those is that it does not matter what pace you are running. Um, and that's the beautiful thing about it, that um, for me, that easy, com- that very easy, comfortable pace might be eight to nine minutes. But for someone else, they could be running 12-minute miles. Someone else could be running six-minute miles. It really doesn't matter. Um, and so that's the thing I love about these, that we can all be out there together. So 
Yeah. Yeah. Hence the together run. And we'll put, we'll put links to some of those together run podcasts where literally you guys can go running with Tina, um, no matter your mm-hmm. pace. And then also the podcast and all the other amazing resources that we've talked about, um, and the initiative, um, with the United Nations, that bonus episode that you did and all of that good stuff. So, um, yeah, and we're going to be following you. I'm so excited for your Bryce experience. And of course, this beautiful, um, these beautiful opportunities that you have to be a guide at these marathons, you know, mm-hmm. um, so amazing. So thank you so much. It was great yeah, chatting you with you. Really enjoyed yeah. it. I did too. Thank you so much for all that you give out into this world. We need more people like you. So keep it up. Mm. Uh, it's amazing. Thank you. Yeah, we have no plans to stop it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it.